Yeah, check it out. It's Liberty Lockdown, and we're in the place to be. You got the right channel. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Got a lot to cover this week. Uh, took a little trip out to Havasu. 116 degrees at 8 p.m. at night. That is insane. <laughs> I am born and raised in Southern California. I am used to some heat. I am not used to whatever you call that. If you want to call that heat or just hot, we have to come up with a different word. Like, I know there's plenty of other words for it, but incinerator, surface of the sun. It's the type of heat that when you walk outside, you get concerned. <laughs> I would open up my hotel door and I would step outside and I'd be like, why the fuck am I outside right now? I should not be outside right now. I was getting like near panic attacks just because it was so hot. I thought that my life was in danger. So yeah, don't do it. <laughs> as, as much fun as uh, Lake Havasu can be, don't do it. Not during August. It's, it's psychotic. It's the most dangerous thing I've ever done. <laughs> it was really, it was really concerning. Um, so yeah, the uh, Democratic National Convention is in full, full development at this point. It's just, boom, blowing up. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Trump versus Biden and Kamala, since Pence doesn't really count because he doesn't do anything. So and Biden's doesn't really count since he'll die and then Kamala will be president. So it's really Trump versus Kamala's record. But let's assume, let's give Biden the benefit of the doubt and pretend that the doctors can somehow keep him alive for the next four years. So we'll have to talk about all three of them. And at first glance, as a libertarian, a principled one that isn't a fan of Trump, it's a, it's not it's not an easy decision, honestly. Um, I think it's, well, let's get into the record so we can talk about it. So I'll start with Trump so that everyone can fast forward if they're a Trumpster. And if it offends anybody, I apologize, but you know, I'm going to tell you what I think. And Mr. President Donald Trump has blown up the budget to levels that we've never seen under any presidency ever. Um, you could say that that's largely due to COVID. Well, yes and no. I mean, we had record-setting deficits prior to COVID, so you can't use that as an excuse under his presidency. And since COVID, he basically allowed for the lockdown and then advocated for uh, the Fed to reduce interest rates and to have the Congress put out, I think it was a $4 trillion plus package, $4 trillion with a T. And no president has ever had a situation like COVID, but no president has ever spent like Trump has asked the Congress to spend. So I can't excuse him for that behavior personally. And then on top of that, he hasn't gotten us out of any of the wars that he promised. He also hasn't started any. So I'm going to give that as a plus to him. But he also promised to get us out and bring our troops home. And like the biggest thing I can think of is that, you know, he hasn't started any wars and he's recently talked about cutting half of our troop uh, inventory or whatever you want to call it in Germany. <clears throat> Big whoop. So. I'm not, I'm not impressed, to put it mildly. And 
he uh, he did pass some tax reform. It wasn't dramatic by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm going to give that a, a plus because obviously any uh, starvation of the beast is a good thing. So he gets a plus there for, from me. Uh, what else? He has driven the cathedral mad, and I don't know how you can do anything but applaud him for that. Cathedral being the establishment politicians, the media, uh, Hollywood, whatever you want to classify as the cathedral. It's the Michael Malice term. I think actually Mitchell Smolbug might have created it, but I think that he gets a huge plus from us for that because that is an entity that I think pretty much universally the libertarian slash ANCAP community despises. So I have to respect and appreciate the fact that he has done an unbelievable job at lifting the veil on their depravity. And I, for that reason alone, I've enjoyed his presidency. Um, I think that it really shouldn't be understated how many people have been red-pilled by witnessing the unfair treatment that he's received. I mean, any rational person that has witnessed his presidency has been enlightened as to the immense bias in the media. And while he does scream fake news when he gets bad things reported about him, he also, you know, has screamed fake news when he should be doing that. And I, I think any rational, you know, semi-impartial observer has been shown that, you know, there is a real problem with our media, a real deep-seated problem. And for that alone, I think that his presidency was a victory because until, until more people view the media and the politicians as, as Michael Malice says, once again, as, uh, as they would a, you know, corporate attorney for a tobacco company, the better. I mean, that's what we need. We need more people looking at it in a fair fashion. Cause that's really what it is. I mean, at this point it's, it's beyond just our biases and our hatred for these entities. This is just a fact. The media is out to get Trump. And for the most part, it's not even for reasons that we would support. He hasn't done most of the things that we want, but the fact that he gets them to, to show their true nature to the rest of the, of America is a huge value to us. So big plus for him in that category, in my opinion. And then perhaps most impressively, he has done some decent things in terms of freeing innocent or overly charged, overly punished people from prison. He has some reform that has happened in that regard, and I have to support that. That's been fantastic. I wish it was, you know, farther reaching, but credit words do, you know, he, he didn't really run on that. Um, I think a lot of it's pandering to minorities, but whatever. He's doing a good thing, and I'm going to give him a, a huge positive for that as well. So now we get into uh, Big Joe Biden and Kamala. And I'm not going to go through their entire track record because I know most of you know it, but just briefly, 1994 crime bill, which was one of the harshest written laws or series of laws that Congress has ever passed, was written by Biden. And that's... A huge part, I mean, on top of probably the uh, drug war from Nixon, probably the worst laws in my lifetime. So, huge negative there. 
uh, well, let's be honest. I, I'm not going to have any positives for Biden. So these are all going to be negatives. I'm sure you guys will enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> he supported the war in Iraq, Afghanistan. Uh, he just all the way around has been a war hawk. Basically has no principles that I agree with in that regard. So massive negative for him on, on the war front, on the drug war front. And he's a big spender. He's corporate as can be. He's essentially, you know, just a, a mechanism of the, the beast. So no, no love whatsoever for me. And then you got Kamala, who was a DA in California, my home state. And she's responsible for imprisoning over 1,500, I think it's actually over 1,800 nonviolent marijuana offenders, not to mention countless nonviolent drug users. So, uh, you know, that to me is disqualifying right off the bat. On top of that, she allegedly, I've read about it, I don't know if it's true, but I believe it is, um, she allegedly withheld some exculpatory evidence from a man that's on death row, which is just... If you're if you're a Black Lives Matter person and and you're considering voting for this ticket, I just don't know how. I don't. I honestly can't fathom how, other than ignorance and drinking the Kool Aid from the cathedral. Like I, I don't know how you could possibly think that a Biden Kamala ticket is beneficial to Black lives. If if you're concerned with you know economic well being. Sure, if you're Keynesian-leaning and believe that welfare and the government actually helps people, okay, I guess you could say they would spend more, potentially. So, perhaps. But, if you care about black lives when it comes to freedom, (laughs) when it comes to not being imprisoned indefinitely or unnecessarily or just savagely, then Kamala is one of the worst possible candidates I can imagine. She happens to be a black woman, but other than that, I don't have a clue why she's on this ticket. It feels like she is almost certainly you know, made a deal with the devil. They know exactly what she is, and she will work for the cathedral. She is a, she's a careerist. She'll do whatever is necessary to benefit herself and to get ahead politically, clearly. I mean, she called Joe Biden a racist on the debate stage and then laughed hysterically when questioned by Stephen Colbert as to, you know, how she feels about him today. And she just responded, ah, it was a debate. It was a debate. <laughs> it's a debate. <laughs> yeah, it's a debate, bitch. And you said it. So if you're going to back off of it, explain why you lied. Or explain why you're going to be the VP to a guy you actually think is a racist. Because I think Biden's a racist. I think Biden's far more racist than Donald Trump, for what it's worth. Um, I think that Donald Trump is not a good guy. But if you're going to just base it off of a Black Lives Matter outlook, I don't know how you look at these two parties and say to yourself, clearly the Democrats have my best interest at heart. They don't. And to believe otherwise is just ignorant to their entire track record. So for me, that's been the most frustrating thing is that 
that the hagiography, which is just a fancy term for, you know, writing someone's autobiography or, or a biography about a historical figure and leaving out all the negatives. The hagiography that the media has tried to perpetuate or, or perpetrate upon the American people over the past week has been despicable. They have been just glowing about Kamala. It's like we're back in August of 2019 when she was running for the, the nomination as president and the media was trying to shove her down our throats along with Beto. Beto O'Rourke and her, for whatever reason, were the it kids. They were trying to paint them as real viable candidates, which, based off of the actual election or the uh, the nomination to the DNC presidency, uh, the ticket, they weren't. They weren't viable. They were rejected, deeply rejected, both of them, thank God. And now we have a puppet on a string in Joe Biden. Weekend at Bernie's Biden. He is barely functioning, barely alive. And they're going to, again, team up Kamala with him. Because you know Biden didn't pick her. Don't be fucking stupid. The DNC picked her. Or whoever the actual power brokers are picked Kamala. Because they know Biden is not long for this world. He's about to shed his mortal coils. And what do they want? They want someone that'll play ball because the one thing, the biggest positive about Trump is that he doesn't. Biggest positive for us, biggest negative in their eyes is that he doesn't play ball. He dances to his own beat and they can't allow for that. So they need someone like Kamala to come in and do whatever they say to try and get this country back on track. And by back on track, I mean the people that exist that are in power today at the very top. I'm not talking about rich people. I'm talking about the real power in this country. The global banking elite, whoever whoever you want to classify them as, the people that actually run shit. Kamala plays ball. She also plays with balls, but I'm not going to talk about that because I don't care. That's irrelevant to me, honestly. So they want Kamala because she'll play ball and they're right. She will. She's... A cutthroat prosecuting attorney. She is, she'll say whatever she has to, to get her way. And her way is only going to be benefited if she does what the real power in this country asks of her. And she will. So for that reason alone, I'm horrified of her. Not only is she bloodthirsty and a careerist, but she is also just willing to do whatever it takes to get ahead and she'll put bodies in the ground to do it. I mean, what she did to that person on death row is unspeakably evil and all the innocent people that she put into jail are not innocent necessarily, but from our perspective, innocent, they were smoking a plant. Like who gives a shit? She, she laughed. She laughed when she, when she was asked if she smoked pot. So, I mean, all the way around, just a disaster of a person. And then her platform was, you know, basically Green New Deal. I mean, so she's like, she's aggressively leftist if you actually listen to what she has to say. I don't believe she's any of those things, but take her at face value. If that's actually what she plans to do, 
we should be very concerned about it. She's saying that, you know, Green New Deal is a, is a non-starter. It's a disaster for our economy. It's a disaster for our energy plans. As someone who lives in California that's suffering under, you know, socialist, top-down, government-ran energy production uh, metrics, it's, it's a nightmare. We are having rolling blackouts across my state as we have a record heat wave because they've made nuclear illegal. They've gotten rid of coal. Like, all of our energy has to be renewable. Well, guess what? During a heat wave in August, we don't have enough of it. So now, you're going to have people die. I guarantee it. After having been in uh, in Havasu at 116 degree heat, if I was outside for an hour, I think I would have died. And there's big chunks of the state of California, including elderly, that are in that kind of situation right now and are having rolling blackouts where they're not going to be able to run air conditioning. That's not good. And... If, if she actually intends to run with the Green New Deal under a Biden and her presidency, that's a disaster. On a national level, it would be a catastrophe. I can't even imagine it. So, all negatives there. We don't have much otherwise in terms of her record because, you know, she went from DA to this. So, I don't know what she'll actually do with any sort of real power. Um... I'm assuming she'll be president. Obviously, the VP doesn't have much power. So I'm, I'm just assuming that a month or two into Biden's presidency, he has another stroke or he, you know, he can't talk. And they just say, uh, 25th Amendment, we got to get you out, bud. I'm sorry. And he'll be like, hey, at least I made it. I got to be president. After all these years of sucking the teat, he got to have his little moment in the sun. And he'll, he'll be, he'll have hagiographies written about him because he will be the guy who ushered out Donald Trump. And to the left, he'll be a hero for the rest of his 48 hours on this planet. Because <laughs> he ain't going to be around much to enjoy it. But he's been trying to be president since like 1975. So you got to give the guy credit for, uh, for stamina. Uh, but other than that, that's about all I have to say positive about him. So as you can tell, I had a decent amount to say that was positive about Trump. Uh, also a lot negative. I have very little positive to say about Biden and, and Kamala. Not surprising. Um, but I wanted to talk about, you know, which for the libertarian or the ANCAP amongst us, which actually benefits us. And I talked a little bit about this last week with Charlie. But uh, the truth is, you know, we're going to have an economic collapse because of the printing that we're doing right now and the economy being shut down. Do we want that to happen under a socialist leaning, you know, big regulation, top down controlled government and economy type presidency like Biden and Kamala? Or do we want it to happen under a alleged capitalist in Donald Trump? To me, the answer is clear. If it happens under Trump, say he gets reelected and the economy collapses, you know, halfway through 2021. Capitalism is going to take the blame, guys. You know it's going to. It doesn't mean that it's real. It doesn't mean that it's actually a problem with capitalism because capitalism is just people agreeing to trade things with each other. There's really nothing wrong or immoral about it. And it certainly doesn't create, you know, trillions of dollars printed and then economic collapses because the government stopped everyone from fucking going to their jobs. So capitalism won't deserve the blame, but it's going to receive it if Donald Trump kind of a 
a character for capitalism, at least in the the you know the ethos of America. They view him as a capitalist. He's got his name on the buildings and not a lot. So I don't want the economy to collapse under Donald Trump because the stupid people amongst us will automatically assume it's a failure of capitalism. There's already a huge swath of this country, the youth, etc., that believe, not just the youth, a lot of old people too now, they believe that, that capitalism is evil. So if they have economic hardship under capitalism, or what they perceive to be capitalism, it's going to be, you know, capitalism will be down for the count. So I personally would like to see the collapse come under the socialist flag, if you will. And I think that that, that's something that, that people should consider a little bit more because I know a lot of you guys lean towards Trump because he is a little bit more business friendly. He is a little bit free, more free market, a little bit. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what do we care about? Do we care about the next 12 months or four years? Or do we care about a hopeful longevity for this country? Do we want to actually have freedom for our children? Do we want to have economic prosperity for our children? I think if the answer is yes, which I'm sure it is, then you should probably want Biden and Kamala to win. And as you know, I, I don't much care about voting, so I, this is not me advocating one way or the other. I'm just strictly talking about what's best for us. And I think, say say Biden and Kamala get nominated or elected, right? They get into power, say it somehow miraculously, they continue to print money and two years into his presidency, the collapse happens because it's going to eventually. And what we then are given the, the option, the capacity to rebuild from those ashes. And if everyone's looking around going, hey, what went wrong? And it's the Green New Deal that actually dumped us. You might be able to sell them on freedom again. If it happens under Trump, I'm sorry, but we aren't going to have a leg to stand on because these people are idiots. They're not going to understand that Trump doesn't represent freedom or capitalism or free trade or any of these things. He's a protectionist. He's, he's you know, but they're not going to know that. So... From my vantage point, for the ANCAP, it is far more beneficial if Biden wins and the economy collapses and we get to rebuild from those ashes so we can actually discuss going back to free trade, going back to a smaller government, going back to a decrease in taxation so that people can build themselves up. I think that's the biggest thing for me in terms of benefit if they were to win. There's also the danger of war, so I'm not... You know, I'm not saying that it's a good option either way, because uh, I think Biden and Kamala would would definitely do the bidding of the military industrial complex far more than Trump has. So, you know, pick your poison, kind of. But I think that's something to consider. And I, obviously, I can't get out of this topic without talking about third party voting. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the logic of whether to or not to. I think if you're going to vote, you should vote for Joe Jorgensen. I like I think it's pretty clear she's she's good enough that she's worth a vote. She's not bad enough that she's not worth voting for, I guess is a better way to put it. Because ultimately if if the libertarians can get five percent, there's 
a real decent chance that we could have, you know, a presence on the debate stage next go around and to be on all 50 states uh, with ease. And I think that's meaningful. You know, I, I do. I do actually think that's meaningful. I'm becoming more and more of a collapsitarian where I just think that the collapse of this economy and this, this government, uh, the society is pretty much inevitable at this point. But if I'm wrong, I would like to have some, I don't know, evidence for the American people to look at and say, hey, you know how we had Trump and we had Biden and they were both a disaster? Well, that lady for the libertarians got 5% of the vote. Maybe you should give them more consideration this next go around. Because I don't think it's necessarily too late to turn back, but I think that it's too late in terms of actually getting a libertarian in office in time to turn us back and to save us from that cliff. So it's kind of a long play and I think that it makes sense to vote for. Now, there's a lot of logic in not voting for her as well if you think that you know your vote actually is going to matter, but I want to talk about that too. No election has been decided by one vote ever. So your vote literally doesn't matter, okay? So if you want to talk about like Oh, yeah, but if like if all of us that are listening right now were to all vote for Joe Jorgensen, guess what? Still not going to matter. A couple thousand people vote for Joe and not Trump. Doesn't matter. Because all the states are still separated by thousands of votes. It's just not going to, it's not going to affect anything in the long run. So just vote your fucking conscience, folks. For the love of God. There is absolutely no reason to be falling into this duopoly still in this day. And... All, Fourth option, don't vote at all. If you want to, okay. But from the from the power establishment's vantage point, you just become another apathetic non-entity. If you if that's your preference, Godspeed. I'm not I'm not going to degrade that position whatsoever. If you say that that gives uh, you know credence to their power, okay. But they have the power anyways, so I don't understand that argument. You know. Whether you vote for it or not, they have that power over you. So I would rather throw my little pathetic single vote at George Jorgensen, hope that, you know, 28 million other people do, or whatever it is, 7 million, I guess, would probably get you 5% of the vote, maybe even less, 2.5 million. If we can get that, that to me is actually meaningful. That actually gets us some, some hope, some chance of getting the, the train back on the tracks. So for me, that'll probably be what I do. I'm coming out of the closet. I will probably vote for Joe Jorgensen. If she continues to say bullshit about how we have to be actively anti-racist, and if I ever hear her say those words and it seems like she means it, I probably won't vote for her. But as of now, everything she's ever said that I've heard has been pretty good. Everything she's said on Twitter, which I don't think she's actually, you know, writing out, has, well, not everything, but there has all of the negatives, all of the really egregious, dumb you know, collectivist arguments that she's had have been on Twitter. So I think it's some leftist social media, some left-leaning uh, libertarian has been running that account. And I'm not going to hold her feet to the fire for that. Similar to the Ron Paul uh, newsletters. He didn't write that shit. Yes, his name was on it, but he didn't write it. You know he didn't. Ron Paul's not a racist. We all know it. We've all heard him talk for hours and hours and hours. We know he's like the best person on earth. So I'm not going to hold his feet to the fire on that either. And if you're willing to forgive that, I think you should be willing to forgive some ghost-written tweets for Joe. That's just my two cents. But if you're so upset by it and you don't want to vote for it because of it, I totally get that. 
That's fine. Honestly, it is. And I listened to uh, Freeman Bound the Wall. Uh, what's his name? Peter Canonas, who's awesome. And he had on Mencius Moldbug. I forget his real name, but this guy's been a, a blogger for the longest time. And I guess he uh, he really made it in like the 2010 range. And he's just just a wealth of knowledge. The guy talked for like two hours and I was, I was mind blown, made me feel dumb. If I'm being honest, like the guy has read so much. He was just popping from text to text. Like just, I couldn't, I couldn't even keep up. I mean, half the, half the authors I had never heard of. He's just, he's just flying all over the place, listing, uh, different arguments for and against libertarianism and, and freedom and like how to win and, mind-blowing stuff. So I highly recommend you guys check out that episode. But what I wanted to talk about is he was making an argument against libertarianism, and I thought it was a really interesting one. And it's not one that I uh, espouse personally. It's not one that I agree with, but I wanted to discuss it because I think it's worth the thought experiment. And a lot of it seemed to stem from Hoppe, which he wrote, uh, Democracy, the God that Failed. He, He believed... Or, sorry, Moldbug believed that libertarianism was simply impractical because you, uh, the metaphor he used was a light pole. Like, if freedom is the light pole, if the freedom, if if the light pole is standing on its head, is the only way that you can get to libertarianism. It takes a lot more force to hold it there, whereas if the light pole of freedom is laying on the ground, then you have freedom, but it doesn't require so much effort. And I thought that was a really interesting argument. It was basically saying that, you know, if, say somehow we were to actually get our ideal libertarian government, right? And say that that government started to do what it what it does, it grows, and you head towards, you know, a kleptocratic society like we exist in today. It's just, it just requires constant pressure. And that was kind of his metaphor is like, you're going to keep constant pressure on the top of that light pole. And I agree. That's, that's exhausting. It's challenging. I don't know. He never really, cause he's such a brilliant guy. He never really got to the point as to like what he actually believes in. So I would love to talk to him and find out, you know, what he actually believes in now that he's kind of separated himself, at least ideologically from libertarianism. But you know, yes, I would love to have a permanent static state of freedom, but I don't know how you get there. So if anyone's listening that has any further understanding as to his concepts, please DM me, tweet at me, uh, talk to me on the show if you want. I would love to understand it more deeply because, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in democracy at this point. Uh, I do believe it's tyranny of the majority. And I, I think that the Republic concept was as close to libertarianism as you could probably get in practice. So I don't know that there's a real answer here. I just thought it was a, a very interesting argument against libertarianism, basically saying that you just can't, you can't set up the system and keep it there without constant revolution. And no one wants that. You know, I don't want constant revolution either. I hardly want the revolution that we're about to experience. So I, I don't want to have to constantly, you know, fight and claw and battle to keep some semblance of freedom in my life. But 
but maybe that's that's what's necessary to maintain it. I'm not sure. So I got to think about that one more. Um, and <laughs> while he was talking about Hoppe, the democracy that God that failed title got me thinking about how democracy is God to the modern leftist and to some, to some extent to the modern rightist, you know, they, the, the, the most recent news from this week was all about the post office boxes and how they're allegedly being locked up or removed so that they can't mail in votes, which is obviously fucking nuts. Just total conspiracy, conspiracist, conspiracy theory, BS that actually makes me shameful to, you know, consider some conspiracies from time to time. If people can fall for something that's stupid, it's really, it's really unbelievable. They, I mean, they haven't even like actually materialized the, whether or not it's going to be a mail-in vote. And they're already alleging that he's tampering with it. It's like, it's crazy. But what it made me think of is like, we have an entire swath of this population that has become atheist. Uh, I'm not atheist. I'm more agnostic, but whatever. And it just made me think that like people really do need God in their life. Like all of these atheists in particular, in my opinion, have just become empty. Like they, they're so in need of fulfillment because they don't have that. They don't, and I'm not saying that like God is real and that, and you have to have that as your answer. Like I'm not, I don't know. Uh, but it's so clear that people do need a higher thing to aspire to. They just have to have it. And for them, you know, sick as it is, the cathedral knows that people need that. And if they don't have God, the president kind of becomes that. And their vote becomes like a contribution to the church. And it really, it just blew my mind how indoctrinated these people have become that their vote I mean, like, how do, how do they think that their vote matters? I just talked about how stupid and irrelevant each of our individual votes are. And it's like this, the rock the vote campaigns and the, you, you know, we need your support. We need your votes. It's like these people actually, bought, they drank the Kool-Aid. They bought the lie. They've listened to the ads and, and now they think that that's the path. That's the path to enlightenment. It's the path to fulfillment. How? How could you possibly think that? Every president lies to you, steals from you, cheats, is a thief, a murderer, a war criminal. Every single president in your lifetime, if you're paying attention. And yet you think that your vote for these people is really relevant? No matter which way you vote, you get the same shit. So how is it that they've been so indoctrinated? It's mind-blowing. I mean, we know. We know the answers. It's public school. It's the media. It's the cathedral all the way around. But... Wow. I mean, wow. Some mensch lady, I forget what her name is. I think it's Louise Mensch. She, uh, she, she tweeted out, I always jog past this mailbox every day. And today I decided to give it a special little pat because uh, I didn't know how important it was. It's like, just take it at face value. Assume that she's being legitimate. This lady's a fucking psychopath. I mean, she's out of her mind. And I just, I don't, I mean, it's the only thing that keeps me sane is to laugh at how much crazier everyone else is than me. But wow, talk about like demented. And I also wanted to talk about this one, went a little bit viral for me today. Um, they got FLIR, 
which is, uh, I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's forward-looking. I think it's forward-looking infrared. I think I just remembered. Um, on, a ha- on a helicopter for a house party in the United Kingdom. So the police there, under the pretense of, you know, virus prevention or whatever they mitigation, they are flying helicopters over house parties with FLIR, which is like the exact tool created and and deployed on the battlefield against, you know, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. They're now using that against drunk chabs in England. <laughs> like, this is sick, man. And I mean, I, the only reason I'm laughing is because I'm so, I'm so sad about it. I mean, thank God it's in the UK and it's not here yet. But it's just a matter of time. I mean, it really is. You know it's coming. It's coming to our to our shores any minute, and I just can't I can't believe that this is happening. Like I, all of my worst nightmares in terms of government overreach, in terms of the the wars that I watched as a kid get propagated year after year, and then the new wars that came when I became an adult: Afghanistan, Iraq, uh, Syria, Lebanon, Yemen. It's like they they just all of all of the evils all of the ills are coming home to roost and i know this is a common commonly known thing i mean uh ron paul talked about it a lot actually talked about blowback and he talked about how you know anything created to be used against our enemies eventually gets used against us they're right the evidence is everywhere and i i didn't think i i don't think i'm old enough to have you know been warned about this seen the wars happen and then have it come home to roost all in my lifetime before I'm even 40, but it's happening. It's here. And I just think that that's a constant reminder that we have to be more anti-war. We really do. Like I know none of us are pro-war in the libertarian party, but we have to be more against it, more actively against it. I think, you know, protesting is kind of pointless, but if we could, if we could garner just a fraction of the anger and momentum behind the Black Lives Matter movement, we might actually be able to make a difference in, in some of these wars. So I think that's something that we should give a little bit more consideration to. I certainly will be. Um, I mean, I have been my whole life and I've been to protests, but it just I just feel like there has to be some way to galvanize that movement. And the cathedral's done such a terrific job of getting the Democrats to be completely you know, not anti-war, pro-war for the most part, or at the very least, you know, agnostic about it. They, they used to be the party of, of anti-war and that it's, it's just us now. Like we're the, we're the last man standing and, and now the right's becoming a little bit anti-war, which is great, but not enough. Um, I don't know. That's a real hopeless topic. So I'll just move on to stay a little bit happier, but, uh, along the same lines of, the government overreach and, and what they're doing to us, the LA mayor, Eric Garcetti, tweeted out tonight proudly that he intended to shut off the water to this particular mansion that's been having parties in Los Angeles. I think the Hills of Hollywood. And I don't want to get banned, so I'm not going to talk too crazy, but it needs to be dealt with. He does. He needs to be dealt with. This is if he can't be voted out, he's got to be removed from office. I mean, I'm not going to go, you know, 
Blood of Tyrants, Refreshing for Freedom and all that. I'm not going to go there. But, wow. What the hell? I, I'm constantly floored that there, we've seen so much violence and anger from the left. We haven't seen any from the right. I mean, you got the little... Uh, God, I forget the name of the town. But the... The basically the White Lives Matter rally that was a couple years ago where that one lady got killed by the guy driving through the, the crowd. I mean, that was years ago. So we haven't seen, from the lockdown, we haven't seen any right-wingers lose it. That's fucking crazy to me. I really thought more of you were, were unhinged. I'm stunned by how patient and kind all of you have been. And I respect it, honestly. I mean, I feel I've never been, I'm not a, I'm not an ex-vet. I'm not, you know, I'm not former military. I don't have any of that training. So I'm not like that guy. Like I know a lot of you listening are. So the fact that I've had kind of that, that feeling like some, someone has to go and violently defend our freedoms. I'm stunned that someone hasn't gone out and done it. You know, I've felt it. I haven't acted on it. I don't intend to, but I'm stunned that no one else has. Honestly. And this is just another example. I mean, they have a monopoly on water service. So you don't have an alternative, right? And keep in mind, it's 100 plus degrees in LA. And he's going to shut off the water to that house. Like, you do that to a country that's an act of war. What do you call it when you do it to a civilian? A war crime, in my view. A human's right, human rights violation? At a, at a minimum, like, this is sick. And I think there were 17,000 people that had hit like on that tweet. The fuck is wrong with you? How, how afraid of this virus are you, or how in love with the taste of leather that you would support cutting off the water to someone's house because they have people over? You're sick. I don't want to share this country with you anymore. If you support that because you're scared of a virus that has a death rate of less than a half a percent, get out or let me go. Let me leave peaceably. I have no interest in fighting you, but if I'm not allowed to leave and you're going to cut off the water to my house because I won't live like a fucking slave, what choice do I have but to fight? Give me an alternative. I'm asking for an out. I'm asking for a peaceful path. If the peaceful, if the only option for peace is that I do what you say, fuck you. Not gonna do it. That's the truth. I can't, I can't give any more of myself without losing my soul. I have accepted being locked in my house and closing my business that I worked my life for that was extremely successful. I've, I've shut the doors because of dictates of Gavin Newsom. All things that I oppose, but I, I played ball because I don't want to go against the law and risk my furthering my loss of freedom by putting myself in jail or getting fined getting audited. I've sacrificed almost my entire spirit of freedom in this past four months. I cannot 
accept anymore. I can't accept it. I'll fight. I will fight against it if you don't give me a peaceful path as an alternative. I am asking for a peaceful path. Please. For your sake and mine. Whew. All right. A little bit, little bit lighter here. All right. So I'm not much of a crypto guy, but I have a lot of investment assets and I'm trying to figure out what diversification makes sense as we see the printing press go into full mode. And I don't have an answer. So anyone listening, please DM me. Tell me what percent of my portfolio, just assume that you're like rich. What percent of your portfolio, if you're rich, would you allocate towards crypto as the economy comes to a screeching halt and collapses? And more importantly, the dollar gets printed into oblivion. What percent would you allocate to that? That's what I want to hear from you guys. I know I could just give you my answer, but I don't want to taint, I don't want to taint this poll. I want to actually get your honest feedback. 5, 10, 20, 50, 100, if you're crazy. Tell me what you think. Tell me what the best crypto is. Tell me what the best uh, mechanism for purchasing it is and what the best uh, percent allocation of my portfolio. I will potentially be doing it. So take this seriously, please. Please, 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 please. Uh, I really want to hear your feedback on that. And I wanted to talk about Tread. Watch this uh, documentary on Netflix about the Killdozer, which is like probably the next to Waco, like the most talked about event in recent history for libertarians. And this guy, he got screwed over by the local little city uh, government and he got screwed over by his neighbors who bought some property that made it so that he couldn't get utilities to his property. And he lost his mind a little bit. I mean, or he just fought for what he thought was right, depending on your vantage point. And it's really interesting because they started off the documentary just glowingly talking about how nice he was and all these people were saying all this nice stuff about him. And then by the middle of it, they totally shift gears and they turn him into a psycho. They start playing these audio tapes from him, which is basically like uh, his Unabomber manifesto kind of deal. And he definitely sounds upset, but then like they, they interview the people that he's saying screwed him over and you know, he doesn't get to rebut. So like they get to rebut and then he doesn't get kind of a counter rebuttal. So I don't know what, I don't know what the truth is, um, but I'll say this. It's pretty rare that a guy who's had su- some success would would go totally postal, would spend an entire year welding on armor to a tractor uh, to, go, <laughs> to go and destroy the buildings of all the people that wronged him. So I'm going to lean towards Killdozer not being crazy and just being an aggrieved, freedom-loving maniac like us. Uh, and honestly, that's just my preferred, uh, reading of that history. So I'm going to stick with that and I'm going to continue to con- consider Killdozer as a, an American treasure. And I don't care what you say. So deal with it. Niemeyer, I think was his name. I've got a lot more to say, but I'll save it for next week. I did want to thank, I think we got five more five-star reviews on iTunes and I cannot believe how supportive this audience has been. And I've I promise to read them and shout you out. So here we go. So we got DBBBBBDB01. You guys got to leave your handles so I can actually give you a shout out. I might get you some followers on Twitter. 
Anyways, he said, uh, one of the few rational people in America love this podcast in an insane world. He is a voice of reason. Yes, I am. Just wish he released it on a weekly basis. I kind of do. Relax. He said, but if you heckle him enough on Twitter, he will. <laughs> he signed off as Jack Mehoff, MD, PhD. I don't know if you're a doctor jerking people off, but if you are, DM me. We can talk. Anyways, uh, then we got Biting the Bullet Transplant. Shout out to the BTB boys. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. That was a blast. Subscribe to them if you don't already. And it was Potes88, P-O-T-E-S, 88. So maybe that's his handle. I'm not sure. Said, uh, found this guy through my other favorite libertarian podcast, Biting the Bullet. Had him as a guest and he's a blast currently catching up on his new episodes and I'm not disappointed at all. Five plus stars. Thank you for listening to me when I told you you would love this show or your money back. And I mean it. Then we got uh, Corporal SMW, so CPL-SMW. I don't know if that's your handle either. Said, brutally honest show. Clint, I think your show is amazing. I love your outlook and can't wait to hear more of your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Then we got Alexis in SD, who, ah, this one's a cheater. I think she went to high school with me. She said, love Clint's hot takes. I'm not a dem and I'm definitely not a rep. I started listening uh, to dip my toes and learn more about libertarianism. Interesting points of view, and I always learn something new. Smart, articulate, and funny. And correct. I also happen to be correct. <laughs> so keep listening, Alexis, and we will get you on the libertarian train one of these days. Or at least not voting for the two parties. That's all I ask. And then uh, we got 264958261528484. I doubt that's your handle, but whatever. He said, outstanding, a Jefferson of his own day. That is high praise and a great way to end the show. A Jefferson of his own day. I assume you mean Thomas and not the Jeffersons because that'd be weird. Anyways, love you guys so much. I'll check you next week and I promise to get more episodes out because apparently you guys want them and that's awesome. Leave a five-star review with your handle on Twitter, and I swear to God I'll shout you out on the very next show. So please do it. It really helps with the rankings, and the more people listen, the more I'll do this show, and it's a virtuous cycle. Love you guys. Talk soon.